Welcome, everybody, to the Of Saints and Sinners podcast. I am your host, Deacon Dev, and I am joined by none other than Mr. Lord and Taylor himself, E.J. Esquire II, third of his name. <laughs> Father of Dragons. Lord of the Drums. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's going on, man? How was your weekend? Uh, it was good. Um, nothing crazy monumental. Um I went out Friday night to Jersey, ate and drank more than I should have. Where'd you go in Jersey? Uh, Jersey City. I have a friend. Actually, I just reconnected with a high school friend, so now we're becoming close again. And um, just went out to his crib in Jersey City. Uh, he actually has a cool thing. He has a cocktail menu that he serves all his guests. Oh, wow. Party or not. So. Is he uh, a bartender like not by trade or not ever done it before? He's a choral conductor, but somehow he just <laughs> makes great drinks. And like any, like it could be a random Tuesday night. Like there's the menu. Wow. So that was wow. cool. Saturday I went out with one of our old friends. Uh, just went to Cantina, caught up on life. Sunday, you know, went to church, went to brunch. And then Monday we linked again and went to, um, I'm sorry, we linked and went um, out a little bit for Labor Day. So, yeah, yeah. Just a lot of card swiping, sinful How shit. How is your bank account these days? It is okay. <laughs> it's not on its last toe. But, um, <laughs> you know, we still got some changes not, to make. But not, we're a, getting there. not as scared to actually log in and check. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, let's... It's like, did I do damage? Nah, nah. I mean, I've always shared my testimony about my credit card. You know, like, I still, I'm not at zero at the moment, but I'm nowhere near, I would say, about a year ago. That was some scary stuff. Oh, my gosh. I used to sometimes hate holiday weekends because I knew I'm just like, I know I'm about to go overboard. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I knew it was going to be like. You were getting charged for overdrafting your account. <laughs> and I was just like, I just had to eat it. Like, yeah, yeah. And that's it. I think I, last time I overdraft was like 2017. Because I think one thing about me is like, if I'm low, I will act like I'm low. Mm. But if I have it, I will carry on. So that's uh, yeah. So, it's yeah, a damn no, it, shame it cool. to be in our be in our 30s still like worried about overdraft yo i know <laughs> yo i know people in their late 30s about their hit 40s same stuff like, wow no one's really exempt from that no no unless you got money but age-wise it's, it's up for grabs yeah biggie small said more money more problems yeah and that is that is something i did not understand when i was a child yeah, and yeah. now that is one thing as an adult. I was like, oh, I get it now. Yeah, Talk yeah. about like, I mean, obviously he probably had much more problems, many more problems <laughs> regarding like friends and family and taxes. Definitely. Like, Definitely. But like all that stuff, it, it applies no matter what your income level is. It's just, that's what it is. Yeah. And you know, everybody has desires of what they want to do with money. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Whatever tax bracket you're in you're going to want to spend the money in some way so you know yeah i'm starting to play the lotto now because i want to i just want to hit it one time mm-hmm. and just be like cool now i can coast for the rest of my life yeah and if anything if anything happens i get fired from my job like i'm okay yeah i actually be all right yeah mm-hmm. i actually daydream about winning a lotto like every day like, daydream about it like wow. you know, and not even like nothing crazy, like ninety million, just like three million. Do you play? No, 
Would you? Um, yes, but I just need to learn how and what to do. Mm-hmm. But I have friends that are like, no, don't do it. They call it the poor man's, the poor man's something. I think it's like the, the poor man's drug. No. Anyway, it's like something that poor people do and they just losing money. Yeah, it's like the poor man's investment strategy. Something, like, something that. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I definitely want to do it. I know people, people that I know my family that do it mm-hmm. and have done it. Um, speaking of that, it's so interesting. Like I know we talk about like Christianity and breaking down a lot of the shit we were taught. And it's so interesting how we were taught like not to play the lotto. Yeah, I I never understood what that was about. Did you? Did anyone ever well, explain it to no, you? No, it was just more like don't do it. But I would say if you just talk about like practicality, like oh, you're wasting hard earned money mm. and you're throwing away money and losing it by playing a lotto. So that and then suppose yeah. like gambling is something against the Bible. Yeah, listen, I think it has to do with chance, right? Mm. Like you are playing the odds against God. Like, does God mm-hmm. want me to do this? Like, well, what God wants for you is what God wants for you. Yeah. You shouldn't even be testing him in these type of ways. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I can definitely say how it takes like the reverence away from. It's like you're believing in luck rather than right. believing in divine providence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I um, remember when you couldn't, not you couldn't say it, but they would say, don't say good luck. Yo, <laughs> my, I have a family member. Uh-huh. You don't listen to this podcast, but if you ever did, I don't Whatever. Yeah. One day, there was this group, this family text going on. And um, I, I forget what happened. Someone said something like they were testing for... Um, they were doing some sort of test to get into a school or get some sort of certification, whatever. And I was just like, oh, great. Best of luck. You know, no one says anything. I mean, like, my family's pretty religious, but like, yeah, not to the point. Or at least I didn't think to this point. I get a phone call from this person, from another person in the family, right? He gets on the phone and you're just like, He's like, yo, you know, I wanted to talk to you because, you know, I just, it, you know, it's, it's, it just rubbed me the wrong way. Because, you know, we believe in the creator. This person does not call God God. This person calls God the creator. So they're woke. I don't know what they are. <laughs> Very well versed in the Bible. I love this guy. But sometimes I just be like. I, I, it's hard for me to understand like the thinking mm-hmm. calls me. He's just like, you know, I just wanted to address what you said in the family text. And I was just like, did I say something wrong? Like, mm. I, was, I was just like, did I say something bad or whatever? And he's just like, or lack of what you did say, I should, I should say, you know, and you know, we as Christians, we don't believe in luck. And I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. I was like, please don't have me on this phone for half an hour discussing why Christians don't believe in luck. I was like, yo, it's a turn of phrase. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not, I don't think God is going to look at me on my record and say, 
Yo, remember that one time you wished your cousin who was taking this test good luck? Sorry, that's a that's a strike yeah, yeah. against you. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Like, I think a lot of Christians, especially like hardcore ones, they don't know how to read a room. It's like, just because I say good luck one time does not mean I'm like some soothsayer, some sort of intellect, some witchcraft, right. like just doing anything that's not what we're supposed to believe as Christians. I think Christians hear one thing that's not in their um, understanding of what the religion is, and then they just start going in about it. So I definitely know that to be yeah. true. And it also, this I mean, I know you're supposed, as a Christian, you're supposed to walk this life, like, every day, every single moment. But, like, I'm not a zealot. I'm not, I'm not an extremist. Like, I'm not going crazy like that. And so, you, is particularly this, this family member, while I, I pray to God they've turned a new leaf in their life. As far as I'm concerned, don't come up to me talking about small stuff like this after all the stuff you've done yeah. in your life. Like, as far as I'm concerned, that is that was small compared to the, like the millions of things. I shouldn't say millions, but like, like several things. the several things that you've done disrespecting your parent, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not treating your body right. Your body's supposed to be a temple so that God can inhabit it. No, <laughs> that wasn't you, you know, and I try not I try not to judge people for things that they've done in their past because it is not for me to forgive. Right? Well, it's I should forgive because that would is the godly thing to do, mm-hmm. but and I don't try to judge you based on those things going forward. Like, I understand that you probably still struggle with things, whatever. You know, I understand that. But then don't be trying to hold me to the fire. Yeah. Like, I did all this stuff that embarrassed my family. Right, right. So it, it rubbed me the wrong way. And the rest of the night, I was just like, I'm pissed. And I'm like, I shouldn't be, but I'm pissed. How old were you? That happened this year. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm 32. When this happened, I was 32 years old. Yeah. And I was just like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, I was like, in my head, I'm like, why are you on my phone? Yeah. Talk about something so minute, really. I, I just think that. Like I said before, I think Christians, some people, and a lot think about Christianity, especially about correcting people. And it's like, yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a whole thing about being superior and just wanting to tell somebody how to live their life, which is actually, we're not going to get there now, but we're going to get to that topic a little later. It's about just always being in this seat of judgment mm. on how someone is talking, living, dressing, who they're having sex with, all that kind of stuff. So, right, right. Yeah. Well, we'll get right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the part of the service where EJ and I go a little bit into what we're thinking, what's going on in our lives. This is our testimony or confession. 
EJ, is there a testimony or a confession in the house? Um, my confession, it's not, not going to be a testimony for a while. My, <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a desert season at the moment. But my confession is that while I do believe that, religiously I believe that suffering such turmoil on this earth, there has to be some sort of paradise afterlife. But at this point, I am open to the thought that we just die. Mm-hmm. And there's just nothing afterwards. Yep. That's- and, and, and now my, my, my struggle is like, because nobody, I don't know that when it's died and they'll come back and tell us about it. My thing is like, I just always think you're going to die and somehow still be conscious while mm. dead. Even though I know that's probably not the case. But my question, my thought is like, we may just die. Wow. And, and like, there'll be nothingness because we were nothingness before we were born. Mm-hmm. They say babies come from heaven and all that. And like, you were, we, were we were a thing. cell and, and we were somebody's, we were somebody's, well, you were, ha- you were, you were half of a cell in your, we were somebody's dick. <laughs> You were a Y chromosome in your dad, like, and you were like, an X chromosome in your mom. Like, no, we put it like, like that. You just, I have to be open to the thought that when you die, you may just die. There may not be a heaven. There may not be anything. You just it. That's it. That reminds me of um, in Game of Thrones when Jon Snow died, and Melisandre brought him back. Mm-hmm. She was just like, "What did you see? What was the other side?" He was yeah. just like. Yeah, and I was like, which well, is interesting because he was, was like conscious enough to to see it was conscious black. N- conscious enough to see that it was black. But I was just like, that's eerie, like a little bit, especially after you've been taught and re- if you've been taught in any for the most part any religious um, background, you know, whether it be from Buddhist all the way down to uh, Hindu Christianity, whatever, there is some idea of what happens right like i think buddhists they believe in reincarnation right mm-hmm. and then i know the hindus definitely do i think yeah hindus yeah. do as well i think yeah. buddhists do as well too um don't quote me on that <laughs> but you know particularly particularly with the abrahamic religions there is some sort of afterlife whether it be yeah heaven you know, hell. Yeah. There is some sort of afterlife. Um, so yeah, the, the thought of it just being nothing. What does that make you want to do with your life um, here on Earth? If, if you if you believe that there's really nothing after death. Well, oh God, this is an interesting question. Well, I will say this, whether I believe it's heaven or nothingness, I would say I'm living the life that I want to live. Mm. I have come to terms with a lot of things that, you know, like growing up in the Pentecostal church, you're just kind of like, oh, you should be doing that. Like, I'm sitting here drinking New Amsterdam in a cup of ice. Wow. Like, just drinking. Wow. Like, like, you know, we grew up like, oh, don't do that. Yep. And there are just other deeper things that Devin and I have discussed before. Like, I'm just I'm not out here. I'm just, I've come to terms with a lot. And it's like, whether there's a heaven or there's just, you close your eyes and that's it. 
I'm living the same life. Yeah. You know, and that's just that's just what it is. Like I curse. I do I just do mm, I do Jesus. Come come on now. <laughs> no, for real. Like I just there's there's nothing that I'm doing that I whether I believe in going to heaven or nothingness. Mm. I'm living the same life. Yeah. So now I'm not gonna now I do believe like I've said before, there are things that are sinful. Whether you believe in God or not, they just think. I believe when you harm other people and yourself, that's yeah. the kind of stuff you should stay away from. But yeah. These other yeah. things, you know, I won't go into at the moment. But you know, it is. It's your business. Just yeah. live. Yeah. Just live. Well, thank you for sharing. <laughs> no, I'm real. One day I'll delve into that. So my testimony, I have two. My first testimony is. Whew. Our first time in person yes. recording this podcast. Yes. We are here in my apartment. EJ is pouring himself another round of New Amsterdam. I have this, uh, I guess it's like sparkling white wine or sparkling rose that I was gifted for my birthday. <laughs> um, and I'm going to town on that. Um, and my girlfriend is sitting on the couch behind EJ with her headphones on. Totally <laughs> Tr- listening. Totally listening. Trying not to make a sound <laughs> in our makeshift studio. Um, my, I guess I don't really have a, a second confession, a second testimony. It's actually more of a confession. Um, I don't know if I've confessed this before, but I find myself from time to time, like, really yearning for, like, things that happened in the past. Like, particularly, like, we were driving, uh, we had to go through Queens to get back to Manhattan, and I was just like, wow, I really miss Taiwan. And for mm. some, it was something about, like, the, the Jackie Robinson Parkway that takes you from uh, Queens to Manhattan and the way that I saw the city I was just like wow this reminds me of like you know leaving Taipei 101 and having mm. to like get on the highway and get back to campus around like the dorms that I lived in and I was like I was like damn I wish I could go back to that and I'm trying to I'm trying to when, when I find myself thinking that way I'm trying to make sure that I remind myself that like where I'm at in life now is where I'm supposed to be mm-hmm. and that those things while they were enjoyable or not they're what helped me get to where I am now Yeah. so appreciate them for like what they were but also just kind of like keep moving forward I feel like the one thing I always told myself as a kid, like I always hated, I and I hate it now when people say like, "Oh, like people today, like they don't appreciate these type of things," or like back in the day, such and such thing was so much better. Um, and the thing is, it's not really true. What it is is like you just have you have a fondness for it because one, it was new, it was a new experience for you, right? Because mm-hmm. like as you're growing up, you're experiencing a lot of things for the first time. Yeah. Um, to yet, yet far fewer worries in your life, right? Like you're not thinking about, 
oh my gosh, am I gonna have am I, am I gonna have a job tomorrow? Anything mm-hmm. like that. Like your parents are taking care of you. Um, you know, so everything seems much freer at those yeah. times. But I'm trying to make sure that I'm taking advantage and enjoying the present mm. as I continue to live out my life. So that's my confession. Is like I find myself in a lot, a lot of times, like yearning for the past, and I just don't ever want to, I guess, uh, overlook the good things yeah. and the things I really enjoy in my present. Yeah. So, no, I, I can agree. I know lately I have been, I just turned 32, going to be 33 next year. Um, I know I've been saying to myself, okay, if I could have one wish, you know, the genie thing is like three mm-hmm. wishes. If I could have one wish to go back, yeah, to go back to a certain age, which one would it be? Mm-hmm. Like, would it be 21? Would it be 25? Would it be 30? Um, but I agree. It's like those moments, listen, you learn what you learned. Uh, they've gotten you here yeah. and you just take it from there. Yeah. But I do have a wish to go back. I mean, everybody does this. I'm sure if they can go back five years, 10 years and know what they know now back then, mm. a lot of our lives would be different. A lot of the decisions made, but you yeah. can't, you just go. Yeah. Cause there's, n- there's no, there never will be like a time machine ever. Like you can go back and change you just can't do that. And if there was, it'd be very expensive. Yeah. It'd be like this moon stuff they're doing. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, and it wouldn't be anytime soon. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's all a thought for us to reminisce. Nostalgia is a huge thing. Like you were saying about the first time you do things. It's very important. Like the first time you hear a song. Yep. It's like when that song comes on, you think about middle school or high school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the brain is a beautiful thing. It takes you on a, a whole journey. Yeah. Because even like, for some reason, I always go on these kicks where I'm like, oh, I remember these songs. And, like, I want to mm-hmm. hear, like, all these older songs, which they, they were great for what they were. And, you know, they meant a lot to me in those times, you know, like, particularly, like, when I was living in Taiwan, for example. That's when I kind of got into EDM, partially because, like, unless I went out and sought, like, hip-hop music, R&B, which I did, I, like, tried to listen to you know, Breakfast Club, where I would try to like tune into something or Vivo, whatever, like yeah. try and get my, my like, my basically my black music fix. Yeah, yeah. The rest of the time, you're just hearing in Taiwan, you're hearing Chinese music or you're hearing EDM. Mm. Especially like in clubs, you're hearing nothing but EDM, right? Yeah. So, like, I have this whole library of EDM songs from basically the time that I was in Taiwan to about. 2014 that I'm just like these songs take me back yeah, for whatever yeah. reason yeah and I'd be like oh my gosh I went to Electric Zoo this year I remember that I was just like those are fun but like I don't know I don't I wouldn't go go back to that but you know yeah do you ever had a song have a song that takes you back to a certain specific place not even like yeah. not even a time oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no for sure like there was, um, let me see. I would say there was this Calvin Harris and Khalees song that takes me back to a time myself, this kid Nick, mm-hmm. um, this girl Dorothy that I knew. We all hung out. We were all foreign students living in Taiwan. We went to the club. And this club, 
And I think I've said this, I don't know if I've said this on this podcast before. We used to roll up to this club on Wednesday nights because I had no classes on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. You roll up to the club Wednesday night and it was always free for everybody before 10. So we go there, we get on the bus, get off, get our stamp. And the thing to do at the time was to go to 7-Eleven or there was another um, kind of like convenience store out there called Quick Mart. But mm. you could drink on the streets oh, as wow. long as you were not necessarily like drinking and roaming. But like if you were drinking and drink and in front of the store, it was fine. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like drinking and just chilling like you were fine. Um, that song is called Bounce. That mm-hmm. takes me back to that. Um there was also another song, um, oh, Birthday with Kanye and 2 Chains takes oh, me back yeah. to Taiwan because that came out when I was there. Yeah. yeah. Actually, the entire, like, Watch the Throne and um, between Watch the Throne and um, what, was the, what was the other album that he did? I think it's Good Music Presents mm-hmm. and that's when he had, like, 2 Chains and Basically, his entire label was on that album. All those songs came out while I was in Taiwan. And then um, Lupe Fiasco, The Cool, that takes me back to college, really. Mm. Uh, That album was monumental. I think that came out my sophomore year. But Mm. me and a friend of mine, we went to go see him in concert. It was him. It was a Glow in the the Dark concert. It was was, um, Kanye was headlining. But it was Lupe and NERD were all touring together. Mm. And he won tickets to um, to see them in Madison Square Garden when we went that summer. Yeah, that's cool. That was Liddy. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, um, I know that definitely for, for some reason for me, like that heavy nostalgia comes for me from 2002 until like 2007. So a lot of the gospel that I kind of came across. Mm. It's like I had like my own little renaissance. Mm. I came to, a, I started buying CDs on my own. It's like the music, I was curating my own library. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just kind of introduced, my cousin who you met, he introduced me to like the secular where I didn't know about One Six Park and all that. Really? So like I was like, oh, like, yes. <laughs> and so I started curating my own library. So a lot of those memories come from that time. I do want to say though, before we move on, I know we gotta go on, but I just thought of my other confession, which I thought about um, a few days ago, real quick. This is kind of shocking. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Hold on, let me swallow my drink first. <laughs> I don't want to spit it out. No, we're choke on it. Was that that shocking? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, no, you're gonna be like, wow. Fasting. Is such a weird concept for me. Why? Why do I achieve a more spiritual awakening by starving myself? Mm. Like, listen, I get the theory, like turn your plate down, those pleasures, and then, but why is it always pain before mm. we get something? Because mm. life is already life is already going to be difficult. Yeah, fasting is like the the idea of fasting mm-hmm. for um, this sort of awakening or gain. It's just such a it's like such a weird concept in my eyes. 
So, right. you know, it's just, it's something I never forget. Like when I wake up in the morning, especially if I'm dieting, I've, I've not eaten since 7 p.m. the previous night. Mm. So now I have to go through the whole day, like really hungry. And you know how it is when you're really hungry. It's painful. Yeah. Why do I have to sit through that to get closer to God? Mm. Why? Like, I feel like you can eat, eat. Now you can fast from like junk food or mm-hmm. alcohol or, but to just deny your body nutrients yeah. to get closer to God is such a weird concept to me. Interesting. I don't know why I thought of it. I thought about it before tonight, but yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing. Fasting is not just a Christian concept, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I would almost, I don't know if it happens I think in they every religion, in Buddhism too. but yeah, yeah it, it's not, it's not, un, I don't think it's a, just a, a Christian, a unique thing to like Abrahamic religions. Right. I'll say it like that. Right. Um, to your point, there is the whole theory about like denying yourself, right? And like making that sacrifice. I think this is me hypothesizing for any of you theologians out there, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think within the concept of Christianity, right? There there is suffering, not only just like in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament, right? Like the main story is basically about how Jesus suffered for our sins, Mm -hmm. right? So if he could go through that, all that torture, you can deny yourself meals, you know, for a certain period of time and pray and really just try to focus on God and what it is that he wants for your life. Yeah. You know, and it's not necessarily, well, I guess it is. You're looking for answers. You're looking for, you know, to get closer to God. You're looking for focus and things like that. I think, I think fasting in general, even if you're, even if you're not going for like the spiritual aspect of it, fasting is really a test of discipline. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think, what most religions require of people is discipline, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? It's, you know, whether you're, whether you're, you're a Christian and, you know, you know, the whole thing is all about like lo- basically loving people mm-hmm. and, you know, not being quick to, to anger, not being quick to judgment you know, really trying to, before you react to something, thinking like, okay, what would God do? Or even from a money standpoint, like, are you really giving your 10% in tithes? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and I, I don't think a lot of Christians are. No, not, definitely not anymore. Yeah. Like, I think that's, time, yeah. I still tithe mm-hmm. when I'm in church. Um, but I feel like, even in my in the new churches that I've gone to, there's not an emphasis on it. Um, I don't know if they expect people to just know or if they're just like, I'm just happy to get the offering that I get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but I think it's important to to hold if you're gonna be a part of something, there is a standard that is to be met. And you know, I think there are certain parts of the walk as a Christian that you shouldn't 
feel a type of way about if you're going to do it. Like fasting is optional. That's not like yeah, a, yeah, no, no, it's no. not like a a mandatory thing like Ramadan is in right in in Islam, right? Or even Rosh Hashanah. Or Yom, I think Yom Kippur is the one that you fast. Yeah, not a Rosh Hashanah or, or Yom Kippur. One of them you have to like fast. Like every day for like a week or something yeah, yeah. like that. Speaking of that, it's amazing how I didn't. Really, I wasn't really aware of Lent mm-hmm. until I got to college, because I know. I think that's really a, a Catholic thing. I don't it think it really a, is, but I know in the in the last what's it twenty twenty one in the last ten years I'll say non I'll say Protestants obviously they've been more aware of it mm-hmm. as a practice. So I've seen even like Pentecostal people, oh, Lent this, Lent that. So, you know, people are becoming more aware of the practice. Yeah. Um, My thing is, I would I would always say, though, if you're going to participate in stuff like that, you just really got to make sure you're focusing on what the purpose is, right? Absolutely. Like making sure that you are actually actively like praying and mm-hmm. considering what it is that God wants for your life, what it means to be Christian, mm-hmm. how you can improve in, in not just your walk, but also how you, I guess, through your walk, how you improve your interactions with people that you know, whether you like them or not, yeah. right? It's just like, what can you be doing to also, uh, to just be a better person? Definitely. I've definitely done lead for vain reasons mm-hmm. many times. Has it worked? No. <laughs> just, just like a non-event every time. Mm-hmm. I just never got anywhere. Just like, oh, let me do, let me give this up to lose weight. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I got my own struggles. But, yeah. I did dang a fast one year. In um, January. It's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Like, especially if, especially if, one, you don't cook for yourself every single time. Like, you decide that, okay, I'm going to go out. And go to a restaurant. Obviously, you're not drinking or anything like that, but like you gotta choose specific restaurants that'll have a good variety of meals that you can eat, right? And even then, you gotta like look at all the ingredients and making sure yeah. that those are things that you can eat. It's it's a challenge. I would certainly say that obviously this is person to person. Everyone has a different relationship to food and this and that, or mm-hmm. even alcohol. Um, my many attempts, anyone that knows me knows this is like the 1100th attempt to lose weight, but I can understand how a drug addict can have a difficult time because those first few days are so hard. Like I, not even the first few days, the first day, there's been many times I'm like, okay, this is the day I'm going to start. I can't even get to noon. I'm like, oh. Calling a Chinese place, it, like it's that <laughs> difficult. It really is, and um, discipline is something we're not, especially with Black Pentecostals, we're not taught discipline. Um, we don't even grow up with it. It's like we just we just shout and dance and have good concerts. It's like we're not taught discipline, especially not in our homes. I think it's funny that you say that though, because I feel like from the stories that I heard, oh yeah. Is particularly from our church and about the man who founded our church. Yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for for lack of a better word, he was a slave driver. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. He wasn't playing. No, he wasn't about nonsense or anything. So, but I think that was a different 
time. Mm. By the time we were born, the church, the, the church that he founded. You think things got lax? Yeah. Things got grand. Mm. Things got, it became about musicals and clothing. And mm. I mean, there was still that root of what he planted, but it became a glamorous church. Um, and, you know, people weren't, listen, but it is very difficult to um, be disciplined and um, say you're going to do what you're going to do. You kind of, kind of have that. Oh, a friend of mine wrote a book called God About Fathers. I won't say his name because I don't know if he wants me to do that right now. Mm-hmm. But um, it spoke about like the three um, kind of like apostles slash prophets who like would they could literally not them but God through them would heal people mm-hmm. in the seventies. And I went to his book release, and the guy, one of the guys there, was like this one particular gentleman out of the three. He separated himself from people mm. and literally prayed all day wow. so you know that was kind of how he disciplined himself yeah and um he was able to again i say through god to perform these miracles for people mm. and supposedly they really happen you know i'm a, I'm a skeptic but <laughs> they really happen like people would come with their crutches walk away with them they don't need them no more all that stuff i haven't seen stuff like that in our lifetime but we seen somebody raised from the dead. We saw Lazarus in our church. Okay, so okay, not today. <laughs> not today, because I gotta go home to the Clinton thing tonight. But um, okay, I'll take it for right now. Can't deny the power of God. Um, no, <laughs> no, you cannot. And I, no, you cannot. I do believe in the power of God. Um, I do. All right. Well, moving on. Um. Oh. EJ, you hinted at this earlier before. You want to take this one? Oh, yeah. So I wanted to talk about Little Nas X, who I believe, let me just see how old he is. He's like 20. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's like 20, maybe 21. He is 22. 22 years old. Okay. I think he is literally, oh, Montero, that's why. So I think he is really doing what he feels is what we call trolling. So like trolling is for anybody that doesn't know, trolling is when you kind of mess with either someone or a group of people just to kind of stir them up and just always get them in the pocket every time. So Little Nas X, who's known for his controversial videos, images, messages, lyrics, this and that. He posted a video. I think it's supposed to be giving birth to an album, maybe. Oh, was it? I didn't even see that there was a video. I saw it no. It was a picture. picture. It's like he was. It was like a maternal shoot, <laughs> but his stomach was big, and it was like he was giving. It's like not giving birth, but like in the last stages of pregnancy, giving birth to something. And I think it was like to Montero, and maybe an album. I'm not sure. But my my point is, there was a popular preacher in the church world. And she wrote a status. I'm going to actually look it up right now because I want to read it. She's not popular to the point of like, you know, any old body would know her. Mm -hmm. But I definitely want to read this really quick. Give me. Oh, God. It was a while ago. Hold on. Oh, here it is. Uh, Okay, here it is. 
Now, every time I mention the word homosexuality or gay in any of my posts, y'all rip me to shreds in the comments. The plan of the enemy. <laughs> Yo, is, why is it always the plan of the enemy? Is to distort. Enemy, we have. Okay. I'm, I'm, I won't say that. The plan of the enemy is to distort what God originally intended. This Was here, it to kill, steal, and destroy? Is that what she well, said? No, no, no. What God originally intended in terms of like man, woman, this, and that. Oh, okay. This here is why God's prophets can't be sacred to speak out. And this here is one of the reasons why God's wrath will be released upon the nation and famine will come. Okay. We haven't learned nothing. Now God is going to up it up a notch. Ridiculous. And I'm showing Devin the picture at the moment. That's the picture. Mm. That's she. And no. So this is a popular preacher in... You, you, you got to be in the world to know this particular one. Okay. So but she has enough grab to like get a lot of shares to go viral, I should say. Mm. Okay, cool. So when I just saw that, I was just like... And then a lot of people posted... So I know that Fairly Odd Parents had, you know the Fairly Odd Parents? Mm-hmm. From like Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon. Yeah, one of the, um, what are like, Guardian Angels, whatever they were. Yeah. One was like pregnant, it was a male. <laughs> um, Arnold Schwarzenegger did a movie, he was pregnant. Oh yeah, I forgot Junior. about that. Junior, And yeah. then the big thing was like, the, I know, I've seen this, the Cosby Show did an episode with all the men, the male characters were pregnant. And they, they were like giving birth to like subways. It was like stupid. Like they were going through what women go through. That's so I guess but they can learn what the stress can be of being pregnant. That's hilarious. Point being, like, this is not the first time any male, anybody has been pregnant before on television or in the media. Yeah. So why are you picking on this particular person to kind of go at them? Right. And and like my thing I want to say is like, when are we just gonna learn? Listen, preach your God, preach the gospel that you believe. Mm-hmm. If you if someone else doesn't believe in that, that's their business, and they can go about it. They can go about life however they want to go about it. And the more that you give them attention, the more that they win. Really, yeah. I mean, a lot of this is. It's really steeped in a lot of homophobia, mm-hmm. right? And and it's steeped in this fear that someone like him, who has probably tons of young fans, whatever, is influencing our our young men to to be gay, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just kind of like, nah, that's not how it works. Like you're one. There, there's, there's Lil Boosie from, I guess, from the secular side of things. There was Lil Boosie who's had like this fixation for whatever reason. Anytime, anytime Lil Nas X posts something, Boosie is there and just like going off. Mm-hmm. So this, in this last round, he was just like, Nas X, what the fuck? You just don't stop. Think he's going to turn around and suck off, suck, <laughs> suck one of his black. One of his background dancers, Dick, on national TV. Mm. And I'm just like, why are you going that far? Like, how how did you get there off of this? And I'm like, like, yo, y'all pray. It's crazy because, like, the things that we have seen on TV before, like, mm. I distinctly remember watching Prince go up and receive an award 
on national TV with his ass cheeks out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't remember anybody being like, oh my God, this is the enemy. They yeah. are, he is just doing too much, et cetera, et cetera. And like, yeah. You know, I mean, I always assumed that, I always thought Prince was at least bisexual. Right. But right. I think a lot of people just assumed he was straight. They just gave him the benefit of the doubt that he was yeah. a straight man. So they never really, like, questioned it. They yeah. was just like, oh, he was being provocative and this is Prince, right? And so, like, you know, it... It was, it was it's it's always interesting to see people try and blame it on like oh but what about the children it's like why don't you talk to your kids about sex yeah you guys want your kids to have healthy relationships with women but even those relationships can be terrible little boosie you we talked about you in one of our earlier podcasts and how you said that you had your child mm. a boy have sex with some woman that you paid. What kind of shit is that? How is that how is that fostering healthy uh how is that fostering a healthy and, and normal uh relationship with sex but also in his mind how he should think of, about women. Honestly, how is that forming a relationship a good relationship with you? That is you don't know what that boy likes. And the only reason you would do that, the only reason why you would even do something like that, that is because you think your son is gay. Yeah. Because if you thought your son was straight, you wouldn't even be worried about it. What is your preoccupation with gay men? Yeah. <laughs> that is, I just don't I understand know. that part. We had a conversation, you and I, on a, on a podcast, actually. And I had, I had to quiet ourselves. I said, listen, there are three reasons for such obsession. I'm a little litty now. I can't think. It's like one is like you, you're curious. One is you were molested or something traumatic happened. I forgot what my mm-hmm. third reason was. But there are just the, the three reasons why you are so concerned yeah. with what someone's doing in their bedroom. Because like... I live in New York, so and I've met men who were gay, I've met les- women who were lesbians, people who do all sorts of sexual acts. They're consenting towards it, whatever. And I won't be sitting here just in my regular day, like, you know what? I wonder if so and so is is just like going to town, like, going that down on this person. Like, yeah. it's just not something that comes up in my mind to the point that I'm like, I'm now angry about it. And yeah. now I need to text, I need to text somebody about it or express this thought that I have. Like, bro, if it's not for you, you don't have to respond to it. Yeah. Like, that. that's simple. It, it's plain and simple. It. He's not, you were not even in his target demographic. Yep. If a kid wants to listen to Lil Nas X, you're not going to be able to stop him. Yep. And the more you try, the worse it's going to get. Yep. Because kids are determined. If you're preoccupied, if, if your so-called reasoning is, 
what about these kids, right? Like, because that's usually where this comes, or what they say it's coming coming out of. But it's really just homophobia. Because if you really cared about the kids, there would be you'd be upset about the fact that you know Texas just passed this abortion yeah, law, exactly. Yeah, and that there are hundreds of, of thousands, if not millions, of kids in America starving every day. Like those are things to be upset about yeah. and say, well, what about the kids? I'm not worried about if a kid is wants to explore his or their sexuality, yeah. his, her, or their sexuality. Like, I just, there are just too many other things that we got to be worried about that impact more than just, like, you and your heterosexual world, you know? So that's that's where I'm at with this whole thing. I hope the album's good, though. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but last thing I want to say is, like, I just... With anything, and not just this, anything in life, when you truly don't give a fuck, you won't give it energy. Yeah. Like, it's just such a universal concept. Yeah. Um, whether it be an ex or whether it be, it, it could be anything. If you really, it's not, if it doesn't bother you that much, you really won't give it any energy. And the fact that you're mm-hmm. giving it so much on such a consistent basis speaks and I remember he was on The Breakfast Club. Lil Boosie was on The Breakfast Club. And, he was, and Charlamagne was just like, you don't think that what you say... And granted, Charlamagne would totally left the, like, let him off the hook for this. But he was just like, you don't think like what you say uh, is could promote violence against the LGBTQ community? And Boosie was like, nah, my thing ain't even got, got nothing to do with him being gay or anything like that. I got I got gay front fans. I got gay people in my shows and shit, right? Et cetera, et cetera. And he was like, he was like, I just don't want him doing something on national TV. And so Sean was like, so if you were like at an award show and he did something that you didn't like, you would what would you do? He's like, I had to go up there and beat his ass. And I was just like, would you do that to to Anybody like if a if a man if a straight man took pulled his dick out at on the VMAs or whatever you think you would he's like yeah I have to go up there and beat his ass too. Nah. I was just like well what about the what about the women like they're nah. up there pretty much like uh they're pretty much you know doing sex acts on stage like we've seen that he's just like like what about Cardi and, and Megan he's just like well nah I, I like that I like that it was just like. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like, listen, what I will say, like, when you're like, oh, like, I gave people my act, or that's the equivalent of, like, nah, I got black friends. Yeah. That is the yeah, same. Yeah, of course. Of that's course. A, that's, like, the same thing. Or, like, nah, my neighbor's black. I like him. Like, okay. It's, it's crazy. It's just the preoccupation with it is, is, is crazy to me. And you know, listen, it's all new. I mean, it, it, this acceptance of like LGBT people, it just happened in Obama's second term. Yeah. Which was like, what, um, six years ago when he yeah. passed the, the law? Listen, this, it's new. So you got generations of people who thought otherwise before that. It's, it's all new. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to take time. It's definitely gonna take time. Like I always say, but we we have people that lived through the civil rights movement. 
white people. There's still racist white people that were there picketing yeah. right. in the in the 60s. Like they're still alive. Right. So it's gonna take time to Jim Bob. Yeah, it's gonna take time to clean these people out. So it may be another 50 years, another mm-hmm. hundred years. But eventually this will all pass. Yeah. It'll it'll get normalized, but then there will be something else to come up behind it that will that will substitute it. Like I feel like whenever you there's there's never really there's like the whole theory of um was it the theory of matter? Just like you can't destroy something like you can change it can change form but it, it can never be destroyed oh, sure, um, yeah. i forget what it's called but anyways um i feel like that's the same thing with like hate it'll never really it'll never really go away it may just change form well, right like yeah. something else will come in if anything something else will come in and take its place whether it be like you know homophobia yeah you know yeah it's like okay well we can deal with like gay men and and lesbians but the transgenders no we just we just can't deal with that that's that's just too much it's too far you know i feel like that's what this generation is now dealing with well two things i want to say it's an evolution of things like first it was like interracial marriage heterosexual Mm -hmm. it was illegal Mm-hmm. For a let's say a black man and a white woman to get married, illegal. Yeah. That was the big thing of the day. Passes, gays pass. Now it's like the trans kind of thing. Like, yeah. Oh, we don't get that. Yeah. And now even further, like I would say, more Gen Z per se in terms of like the publicity is getting like, oh, I'm not even a gender. Right. Right. You know, that's even for me. That's like wow. Yeah, you're not even you're not either one. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna tr- do my best to respect it because you know it is what it is. But I'm kind of okay. Wow, mm-hmm. that's a lot to be like. I'm n- and it to be addressed as neither. Each generation is going to have that yeah, one. Thing. Yep, that one thing that they just get hung up on. Yep. They're just like, I don't understand. And it. I'm fucking up the system. <laughs> I'm taking down the system. Just, uh, I don't understand it, and I can't allow myself to understand. Yeah, it. you know, there's yeah. The second thing I want to say is. It is people's nature to be above another people. Yeah. Because you you just said something after that one was. It was like, you know, it's always going to be that thing. It's like people have to be above another. Right. I'm better. I have this. Y'all don't. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be a thing, whether it's homophobia, whether it's money, class, yeah. uh, religion, because religion is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's I, it's always this is us this is you and that's always going to be a thing that's a thing with people human beings yeah well people we as we like to say here at the of saints and sinners podcast spread love not war <laughs> is that the thing that we say no, no. <laughs> but we should say we should say that and we want y'all to love each other love the people who are different from you like yeah that's, that's really what it's about. Um, damn, these motorbikes are moving. Um, well, let's transition into our last segment. Um, this is our saint and center of the week. This week, we have two saints, one center. 
Um, our first saint, we are going to give it to, I think her name is Nia da Costa. Nia da Costa, actually. I think it's Nia da Costa. Um, she is the director of Candyman, which reached number one in the box office, making her the first black woman to direct a number one film here in the American box office. I nice. think that is phenomenal. I think it's amazing. Uh, a remake Candyman yeah. is, and I really want to see it. I haven't watched it yet, but I will be giving my money to it. Uh, Do you think it's more horror or suspense? This one, I think it's probably a little bit more horror. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Because I never really actually got through the first Candyman, the original one. <laughs> you know who's in... Oh, wait, wait. No, she's in uh, Chucky. I was going to say the mother from uh, from Seventh Heaven. Oh, okay. She's in the original Chucky. And I was just like, oh, wait. I guess it's Child's Play is the name of the, of the movie. But. Let me just say, I'm totally into this same pick. I just know for me, I'm not good with horror movies. <laughs> so I just... I even have a list of horror movies that have scarred me. Um, oh, what are they? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 2003. Oh, wow. That wasn't even the original. The original. No, it was not. The original one scared <laughs> No, the, the one from 2003 was scary. The Amityville Horror, which is not the original either. From oh, the one with uh, Ryan Reynolds. Oh, was it him? Yeah. Yeah, that one. Oh, good God. I think did we see Insidious? We did see. We saw the second one together. I think that scarred me. Get Out scarred me. A, just like a couple scenes from Get Out. Yo, in Insidious, <laughs> when she was like, she was like, oh, don't you dare! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'm. Yo, anybody? Well, anybody that knows me, I don't sleep in the dark or quiet so i need either ipad on <laughs> and i need like sound coming out so i don't sleep in the dark so so yes a lot of horror movies have scarred me throughout the years so i celebrate this woman for her achievement but no not be going to see that i won't be no. good on it congratulations um our second saint of the week if you have not heard, is Michael K. Williams. Uh, he is the phenomenal television actor that you know as Omar from The Wire. Um, you have seen him as Chalky White in mm. Boardwalk Empire. You have seen him featured in The Sopranos. You saw him in really? Love. Yeah, he was in The Sopranos. It was like only a couple episodes. Okay. He wasn't a main character. But he was in Boardwalk Empire. You saw him in Chris Rock's uh, Why Did I Get Married? Was it not Why Did I Get Married? Um, 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 I Think I Love My Wife. I Think I Love My Wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw him in that, uh, which that was a hilarious role. Oh, my God. It was perfect. <laughs> Yo, he was like, you the new nigga? <laughs> Yo. He was, like, he was like, no, no, no. I'm actually not in this. <laughs> No, that's actually the first time I was introduced to him. Yeah, yeah, I remember. For, for me, yeah. Because I never watched The Wire. Uh, oh, really? Oh, The Wire. I tried. So I tried. So I tried. But I'll try again. Um, Just for him. Yeah, and so, so many more. I mean, he was in um, When They See Us. Um, yes. He was yes, one of the yes, fa- yes. He was the father in When They See Us. He was... 
she was a phenomenal actor, just able to to portray these characters that I think they were all very unique and he gave life to to two of them were real life people who actually existed. He really gave them life. One, I mean, I think most people know him as Omar mm-hmm. and like that was such a unique role because it was rare that you saw um, yeah. it was rare that you saw gangsters who were also protagonist, not necessarily protagonists, but like I guess people that you rooted for who also had this storyline of also being gay. And he wasn't like yeah. he wasn't like a closeted gay or anything. He was just no, I'm a gangster first. Yeah. <laughs> robbing him. Oh, he was getting the wire. He was robbing drug dealers. Well, he was getting the wire. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, his character. Yeah. Yeah, wow. he had he had like I think he had like two or three relationships wow. in the in the wire. Uh I know one of them was someone that he actually really loved and I think they wound up killing that guy. Mm-hmm. But um you know, it was it was just rare that you saw these type the the type of characters he played. Yeah were always very unique and you just it had depth. Had depth. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Like you remember them. Yeah. Um I wanna say um when I first read it, I was taken aback because I was introduced to him in uh as we said before, uh I think I love my wife. He had like a quick scene in there. A monumental scene, mm-hmm. but, but definitely a quick scene. I came to really know him in Boardwalk Empire, which I watched um, all the way through, I do watch it occasionally. Like some scenes that are my favorites, uh, I watch again. And then, of course, Lovecraft Country mm-hmm. that you know we both watch yeah. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just great. I mean, you know, um, kind of not played the same person, but like I said, he had depth, he had range. Yeah. He definitely brought character to his. Um, character to his characters mm-hmm. which is you know I, I definitely want to say that yeah he definitely just brought a lot of range and depth to the characters that he played what I loved seeing was the outpouring of love from different directors actors different artists across all genres across all fields of um you know the love that they shared for him yeah he seemed like a good guy um, very supportive of young people coming up in the game. Um, yeah, no arrogance whatsoever. So it was just it's a, it's a shocking thing. Like yeah. I, it it take a it it actually does take a lot to take me back a little bit, and I was kind of quiet for a few minutes. Yeah, it was. This is almost as shocking as hearing about when Chadwick Chadwick yeah. passed away. I would say I was more quiet for this than Chadwick. Really? Yeah. I was definitely, more, I think I was more quiet for Chadwick. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, either way, it, it's just like, here are these great black actors who are really like kind of changing the game. Yeah. And I, or I, I, I'm not going to say changing the game, but as much as much as they are leaving a footprint. Yeah. And I would say being a light. Being a light. Like, yeah. these are, these are, are men who, when they pass you here, like, I've always heard that, like, oh, no, he's, like, one of the kindest guys in Hollywood about 
Michael K. White and like, I mean, Michael K. Williams. Mm-hmm. And literally everyone is just like, yo, he was like literally gentle. One, one person was just like, he didn't like loud noises. He didn't like to yell. Like wow. he was just like very serene, peaceful yeah. kind of person. And I'm like, it's so interesting to Because he plays that. the opposite. <laughs> like, what? Like, I used to be scared Dogs. of his character. Yeah. I used to be scared. And, and the fact that he had that scar yep. across his face, yep. it made him the perfect, like, I don't even want to call him. I, his characters between Chalky White and Omar, they weren't villains. They were just. Tough guys. They were tough guys. Yeah, yeah. Right? And. And like the scar, it played so perfectly into it. But then he would also play like his character in Lovecraft Country was just he was a military vet, but he was also like I I hesitate to say it, but he was timid, a timid man in Lovecraft Country. He was he would do what he needed to do, but he wasn't like, oh my gosh, like this is what I want to be doing. He was just like, this is what I want to be doing. (laughs) You know, like. And, and it was so wild because he used to beat on his son, but then like there's just so much trauma, right? Like such heavy right. level trauma. Yeah, yeah. I know in the scene in Chris Rock's movie, I was scared. <laughs> like, no, because I think they were in the house and he walks in. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, shit. I couldn't imagine myself being in that. And he looks right? like you know, no matter what he acts like in real life, he looks scary as fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, he could, whatever. But, like, it was just very scary appearance. But yeah. he seemed like the nicest guy. You know, like, all the tributes I'm seeing, like, just, like, just the nicest guy. It's like, wow. You just, yeah. You just lost a gem, really. Yeah. Yeah. This is really it's lost wild. a gem. I, I took it hard because I really, Warwalk Empire is one of my, when it was good, it was one of my favorite shows. Mm. And he was a staple character. Yeah. He, was like, yeah. he, he didn't pop in, pop out. Yeah, no. He no. was all throughout the show. So, yeah. Yeah. It'd be that way. The good the good die young, they say. Mm-hmm. They do. And, and that's the other thing. As I'm getting older, like, I'm in my 30s, like, 30s is young. Mm-hmm. So, but then when I hear someone who's like, oh, he passed it, he was only, he was 54 years old. I'm like, he was 54? Yeah. I'm like, he don't look 54. I mean, he had gray hairs and all that, but like... He was on the good side of it. Yeah, like yeah. he had... Yeah. There was something about him that was like, oh, you're still like... You're probably... I thought he was in his 40s. I'll put it like that. I thought he was 48, 49. Young, I thought he was 45. Okay. I yeah. thought he was 45. Okay. And when they said that he was 54, I was just like, that's literally the exact opposite way that those numbers come in and yeah it's just it's it's amazing how much impact you can have you know in a short i I don't want to say it was a short amount of time Mm -hmm. but like what the wire came out in the two in the early 2000s yeah, so it's 20 years. Yeah, so he definitely. was probably in his 30s. Yeah, I'm sure he had roles before that, you know. Big yeah, role. probably like smaller roles and stuff like that. So he was like in his 30s when The Wire probably came out. Mm-hmm. So in a matter of 20 years, you know, he left up. Wait, what? 66, 96, yeah, 38. Yeah. So he left He left us with some really, with, with some really deep characters and... 
you know, I my my only wish, even with Chadwick, is just like, damn, I wish I saw more of him Absolutely. in yeah. movies. In real know? life. Not like watching it after. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I want to say before we move on, I know we got one more thing, but um speaking of like people who die young, I've been really listening to Frankie Lyman mm. lately. Yeah. And um just a he was Michael before Michael was Michael. Mm-hmm. That is just a fact. Michael studied him. Frankie Lyman died at 25 years old. That's crazy. Here we are in our early 30s. Isn't that crazy? This man left a mark and died at, first of all, he was on his way out. Like 25, it was like, who's Frankie Lyman? Right, so like right, in right, his right. teens, early 20s, it was a thing. No, I mean, we just got to take care of our, of our stars. Yeah. Yeah. We got to take care of people because a lot of these stars, they struggle with a lot. They have yeah. traumas and they get out there and start taking drugs and, you know, this and that. And they get out there. Yeah. Frank Lyman was found dead from a heroin overdose yeah. at 25. And you and I had big 25th birthdays. I mean, it wasn't that big. Really? No, no. I meant, like, in terms of Frank Lyman. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, yo, <laughs> he did that. Oh my god, no, it wasn't on his birthday. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, he was that's just so wild to me. Yeah. He was like Michael before Michael was Michael, yeah. Like, yeah. they probably would have been like not computer, but yeah, listen. Well, our next part. Our center of the week goes to one Mr. Curtis 50 Cent Jackson. Um, this is actually somewhat related to, not even somewhat, is directly related mm-hmm. to the death of Michael K. Williams. Uh, 50 Cent put up a post on his Instagram in which he had a picture of a daily news clipping in which the title, in which the headline was, 50 Cent posts, it gets a lot of heat for posts that he makes about Michael K. Williams upon his death re- involving uh, an associate of Michael K. Williams, something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. But his caption in the, video, in, the, in the post on Instagram said something to the effect of make sure you tune in to Raising Canaan. <laughs> Power Book 3, Raising Canaan, mm-hmm. that fentanyl is a hell of a drug, mm. taking out clients and shit. And everyone's just like, this is so inappropriate, which it is. I shouldn't even say like it isn't. It is super inappropriate. Um, but this is what 50 does. Like, with anyone he does not like, he is. I've never. Did he not like him? He's in a. I guess Michael K. Williams said something that was. I don't know if he was defending someone that Fifty Cent didn't like or whatever. But Fifty really? Cent associates them to, as a you know together. I didn't know that. Yeah, and you know how that 50 changes th- things. You know how Fifty is like. Yeah, that changes things for me. Well, for me, because not that I agree with it, but it's like, oh, you had reason to do that. But here's the thing, he didn't really have reason yeah. to do it, right? Like, no one knows 
as as far as I was concerned, Fifty was the only person thinking about their relationship and how you know, like it impacted him. Like, as far as I know, I don't know Michael K. Williams said I've ever shot Fifty. You know, even if he did this him, you know, or whatever, he felt that he was disrespected by him. There's just like you don't you don't need to comment on everything. Yeah. And then to use it as a way to promote your show, like I know they say public all publicity is good publicity publicity, but I'm just like Yeah. I'm like, wow, like that's so, so someone's dead. Someone died and not even I hate to say it like this. If it was Ja I wouldn't even. It would be understandable. Not even that it's understandable or forgivable. I wouldn't have expected anything more. Anything less. Or less. Mm-hmm. Both of them. Like, I wouldn't expect anything less from you because that was. That's how you built your career. Like, mm-hmm. particularly dissing Ja and not not letting up on that, you know, mm. like there have been people who have said that they've squashed beefs with 50 because, you know, whatever beef they had was stupid to begin with. But like, I'm just like, this isn't, no one wants to hear about your show right now. Like, it's just, and I'm wondering, like, even the people who are producing these shows, I'm just like, if I, as an actor, this is someone who does the same craft as me. Mm-hmm. This how you, this how you reveal them or respect them. A lot of these people that are in that show that you are promoting, they owe their career to him. Not necessarily owe their career to him, but well, they I'm sure they him. admired his work. I'm sure they admired him as an actor, right? And so well, I was, I was going to say he paved a character like he had in The Wire kind of opened up doors that these shows can kind of yes. come in. Yes, yes. For like these, you know, uh, for like these anti-heroes that you mm-hmm. want to root for, you know, even though they're doing the wrong thing. Like, yeah, he was, I would say for this generation, he was the kind of one of the archetypes. He was a precursor for it, especially for black anti-heroes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I found it, I found it strange that he chose this time, and particularly in this vein, right, to promote a TV show when someone who is iconic from his roles that he played on TV, you know, it just seemed it just seemed a little distasteful. I mean, Fifty's going to do what Fifty's going to do, yeah, but you know, it just seemed like well, you, you could have let this one go yeah. if. if you know, if there was a time to let it go, this was it. Because no one even knew that you had a beef with him. Yeah, I knew that. You know what I, I mean? Really, like, I'm, I'm learning right now. So, I just, you know, I I'm thought gonna, it was a little strange, but. I was going to say, because this is a Saints and Sinners podcast, mm-hmm. let's talk about church and religion. Let's come my eyes out. This whole story about like, oh, the same people that were welcoming Jesus on Palm Sunday saying crucify him. Mm. That the same group of people, supposedly. Yeah. I thought it was interesting 
when he posted the caption yesterday about you know the, what we're talking about, they're like, mm-hmm. "Oh, fifty, how could you?" I mean, just comments and comments mm-hmm. and comments. You're nothing. You're worthless. Oh my God, what's wrong with you? You have no clue. You have nothing. Yeah. But then he posted something today, and people were like laughing. It's like one are they the same people and it's like wow like the comments that I saw yesterday are not the comments I saw today yeah. and they were like laughing with him oh 50's gonna be who 50 is this and that yeah it's like wow you, y'all change our tune in one day well you know when they say I mean I, I get where that where that saying comes from but like yeah, it's Instagram, right? Like Instagram is a huge platform. They've got millions upon millions of people on there, so you're probably going to see varying, you know, responses. And it's not like everyone thinks the same, right? Like, you know, in New York, I expect that coming from New York, given how hard we were hit with like the pandemic, and this is this is just an example. Given how hard we were hit with the pandemic. I would expect that everybody in New York would be vaccinated. <laughs> yeah. But it's not the case. There are there are thousands of people in New York who are just like, I'm not taking that. Mm. And you would think that because, oh, well, we all probably likely voted Democrat and, you know, we believe in these kind of, you know, I guess, social norms, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera that we'd all be on the same page. And the thing is, there are a lot of people who are not on the same page when it comes to empathy and yeah. and how they look at, like, death, how they look at um, the response to death. They just don't all react the same. And so it, it does not, given how Fithy has handled his relationships in the past, even with people that you thought he was cool with, like June. <laughs> yeah, like you, you know, you would think that, like yo, know, like you would have some sympathy. He has no sympathy for for you. It's either you're with him or you're against him. That's and a form that's, of trauma too, in a way. Yeah, it's like, it's like yeah. a guard up. Yeah, I, I mean, he was shot nine times. I would, I could see where that comes from, right? Like. Got shot nine times, you survived, and you got to sing about it and make great songs about it, you know, um, in a career. Yeah. But, you know, I also, I do believe that there are also social norms that we should try to adhere to. And when people are mourning, like, you don't have to say anything about it. Yeah. The damage is already done. They don't need someone who has as large as a platform as you do. Make I don't want to say he, he didn't make a joke as much as he did like make light of the situation, yeah. or try to use the situation in a um, self-serving manner. Well, supposedly, like somebody on an upcoming episode of the show overdoses mm-hmm. and was like, oh. But still, like, dude, that's a fucking show. Right. And this is someone who has died. You know, now it's coming out. It may have been from over. It's like, dude, you're making a line of it for your own agenda. So that's our our center of the week. 
Um, Speaking of him, um, the, the verses between Ja Rule and Fat Joe is next week. Are you tuning into that? It's anticlimactic. I mean, it shouldn't be him. It should be the one we're just talking about. But that would never happen. He's not going to do that. He's not going to do anything that helps promote Ja, ja Rule. And first of all, Ja Rule whacks at us. I would think hit. so. Okay, I don't think so. What's happening right now? I actually do not think so. With hits. Hit. Sippy's entire first album was that. on the radio. I'm, not the entire, but it was a it lot of was, it was a lot of hits. No, I agree with you. I I was out. We were both there. I mean, I don't. I. Ja had hits across the board. Like just, Ja has a lot of feature hits. Those those are counted. Those they count. They count. And I think I think Sippy could find a lot of features for himself too. I think I think Fifty could do. He could definitely get through the first ten. I think. But are we are we confusing a hit with a a dope track? A hit is like something that just goes over in multiple. Yes. Did you watch the last? Uh, oh, the Dipset thing. The Dipset versus with, not the whole thing, but why? People were saying the same thing about the locks, that they don't have the catalog to stick with Dipset because mm-hmm. Dipset had actual hits. Okay. And the way that they're doing verses now, because it's live shows and like you really have to put on a performance, I think 50 would be able to outperform Ja Rule because he would, they would also, I know this isn't necessarily history, but they would also wind up putting G Unit songs up there. Even if he's not on them, they would put the Tony Yayo songs. They're going to put, oh, that would be wild. They're going to put the, um, what's his name song? Um, who was it? It was Tony Yayo, Lloyd Banks, Lloyd Banks Young Buck. and Young Buck. They're going to put those songs out there. Even though they're not 50s, they're so closely associated with him. I don't know about that. I think they would put those up there and it would just... I think it would be honorable mentions. Like, oh, hey, let's just play these real quick. But it would be the same way that, like, Ja Rule is on Little Mo's songs. And, and those were his songs. Kind of. He was never on a song of hers. It's like, oh, let me just that he's not rapping a verse song. You're saying Fifty's gonna get just association calls. All right, all right. So even if you take those out, but I do think they would play. Way, I, I do think they would play like Stump One on One. Want to get to know you because he has course. verses. Yeah, and and yep. is a G unit. But they would play Murder Inc. Full songs like uh, I don't know how big this was because I used to do it before my time. Uh. uh if y'all don't give up, um, like we don't give up. When it was in the boxing ring, the video when it was in the boxing ring. I know what you're talking about. Stuff like that. Or like, like even then, even then, Jaws hits are mostly ballads, basically. Mm-hmm. And usually with women. With women. If you did that for an entire concert in New York, where Spiffy can do, I'm going to do. Both, because I have hits with women 
and I have my gangster shit, I'm going to crush you. Because New York is like that. New York doesn't just want to hear. New York wants to hear how versatile you are. That's like the. I think that's actually the point of verses is to see not only like which hits do you have, but how versatile are you? Can you can you do the same thing that you're doing in rap? That you can you bring that over to R and B? Like can you if you cross over to pop? Like do you got pop hits too? Like but they're fifty cross over to pop though. Yeah, we went. We we went <laughs> No, but I don't think I don't think Ja Rule ever popped. Went over to pop either. I'm right. uh, always on time. I mean, that's hip. I don't think those are. I don't consider those pop songs because I don't think white people actually think about those songs when they think about J Lo's catalog. Two what? I don't think they do. Okay. Whenever I, whenever <laughs> I, as someone who is going to predominantly white. So like schools, those aren't the songs that white people think of when they think about J Lo. Oh, they think they about, think um, about her EDM dance hits, oh, like yeah, like they think about those. Like they don't think about Ja Rule and and them. Um, they think about Ja Rule, but they don't think about as that being part of J Lo's catalog. Not as, not as like the first like joints. Maybe they think about that LL Cool J J Lo joint that they did together. Kevin, no. <laughs> Maybe they that's think like about bottom that. of the barrel. Maybe they think about no. Them. That's like that's a, that was a non-event. That was nothing. <laughs> I like and, that and I love that song. I think that that's in my playlist. Like that that moment with those nostalgia. Mm-hmm. I can hear that song and I'll be thirteen again. But that was certainly not a thing. That's my joy. That's one of my favorite songs in the whole world. Fries, what you have, baby. Yeah, that's my song. Yeah, I can like be, I can be taken back to a place right now. I remember watching that. That came out when I was in high school. I think I don't think that came out in middle school. I feel like that was a two thousand. Song. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I remember they were in the snow. I was like, that yeah. snow looks fake as hell. <laughs> I was like, they don't look very cold, actually. Nah, they were chill. That was when LL was about, he dropped um 10 that year, right? That was when he album 10? I think that was. Because that's when he dropped, um, what was the name of, that, of the last song that he dropped? Not, um, not head sprung. Uh, Paradise. Love you better. Yes, love, love you better. Love you better. That's one of my favorite songs. Yo, everyone's like, "Yo, LL's the greatest. He's the goat." <laughs> I can play that anytime. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you are thinking to yourself, wow, that was a really fun conversation, a really insightful conversation, and you're like, wow, I wish I could be in the room with us. Well, you may not be able to be in the room with us, but you can be in the room with your friends. Please give them the, the link to our podcast, share it with your friends, your family, rate us on Apple iPod, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Uh, let us know that you're listening 
Um, follow us at Of Saints and Sinners Podcast. Follow EJ and, and is it Mr. Lord? No, at Lord and Tailored. Lord and Tailored. Follow me at King underscore of underscore D underscore Hill on Instagram. We love y'all. Uh, spread love, not war, as we said in the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> we did uh, <laughs> we did. Uh, we'll talk to y'all later. You are dismissed. Peace.